There's a familiar face in front of you guys. We got another episode here of The Hobby with Cage. And, you know, people were asking me, is it just going to be you talking to your bottle of soda? And I'm like, nah, we'll, we'll have some conversation soon. And, you know, when I thought about who the first guest of uh, The Hobby with Cage is going to be, I mean, just one name popped in. It's our pal, Bro Namath. So welcome to the show, my friend. I like to think that I have the shape of a Coke bottle. <laughs> All right. That works. I hadn't thought of you that way, but now for some reason, I need you in my mouth. So anyway, it's, uh, it's supposed to be a family-friendly show. Family-friendly show. Speaking of family-friendly, Disney. Let's jump right into it. Famous, sure. famous quote now. I mean, it's like world-famous Jeff Wilson quote last week. It's going to make my news segment. He says, Disney over Pokemon. I'm obviously, you know, uh, generalizing it there and, you know, paraphrasing, but what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts about this new Disney card? The, the, you know, you know, I guess there's a lot of Disney stuff coming out. There's this Kaka Wow, and there's another thing. But he's specifically talking about Lorcana from a TCG perspective and the IP that Disney has versus what Pokemon has. What's your thoughts on that? Um, this is not Disney's first TCG uh, in the U.S. They've had multiple over the years. I am a big fan of Lorcana. Um, I bought the D23 binder set when it first came out. Because I did see the value and potential there. Uh, I sold it way too early because I got the cards in. They all looked like they were really in bad condition because they're black borders. I was like, oh, man, they're not going to nine. And in TCG, if you can't nine, five, or ten, the card really is rendered useless, right? Because they're supposed to grade well. So I am a fan of Lorcana. I think it has a lot of legs in the States. Now, speaking with people who play multiple TCGs, the format and gameplay is supposed to be very easy. All right. It's supposed to be child entry like, which which is good, right? For kids to get into it. You know, your kids, my kids, they can, you know, probably play Lorcana uh, and pick it up really quickly. So I think it has great legs. What I don't like is trying to compare the values, right? Because Disney, of course, of course, trumps Pokemon in the sense of iconicness, the name brand awareness, the cultural awareness around the world. There's no comparison. We can't now I'm comparing apples to apples which is values of TCG. And I don't think that they're going to surpass Pokemon in the value to value. Okay. So, I mean, listen, the, the lead off of that is um, Lorcana is coming out. I love where you went that kids can play it, right? Because when I think about TCG and we're going to talk a whole bunch of TCG and a bunch of other stuff too, but this is your area, man. I don't know anybody who knows it better than you, but more importantly is more passionate about it than you, which is why I love chatting with you. It's, when Pokemon came out, 96 in Japan, 95, if you believe some of those other ones, those weren't really game cards. Those are just kind of like shiny, <laughs> weird <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah, the, the card ass, right? And Top Sun. But, you know, when the, when the, when the game cards came out, Wizard of the Coast style, right? Um, people were playing them. People were playing. The, that's why it's important what you were saying, right? That, 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 that kids can learn and play the game for two reasons. One, it has now a different attachment to it a different nostalgia to it down the road for the kids who are playing it that draw them back in. So if my kids, your kids start playing Lorcana 10, 15, 20 years from now, they see those cards. The value is, wow, I used to play that game. That was one of the first TCG kind of games I learned. I played with my friends. I played in school. You know, we traded the cards. That was what was going on with Pokemon, building a deck, you know, playing against your, your friends. It wasn't, I'm buying these and I'm going to keep it if I, if I get to nine and a half or a 10. And that's what I think is a little scary to me about Lorcana. 
I can't think of something that right out of the gate was successful when it was sold as we're going to grade and sell this stuff. You know what doesn't I mean? Happen. It doesn't happen. And that's the difference with Pokemon. But you've now thrown a little wrinkle in it because if kids are playing it and some of these cards are going to be used as a game, right? And, and mm -hmm. parents are going to buy this stuff for their kids to play it as a game. Does that then create some scarcity there? Right? So we look at Pokemon, right? Let's go back and look at when Pokemon came about. Pokemon, the anime, Pokemon, the TCG in the States were booming at the same time, right? So the popularity was massive. Cinderella came out in 1948, <laughs> right? So if you like Cinderella, then you've had multiple opportunities to buy Cinderella VHS, Cinderella Cells, Cinderella, you know, other TCGs that have come out with, with um, Disney. You've had many opportunities. What makes this going to be their flagship product that can raise it up to a collector level like Pokemon? And I think there's that big gap between understanding that they rose together. Pokemon rose together because of that, whereas Disney does not need the TCG to succeed in order for Cinderella to be popular still. Yeah. I mean, so you're, I mean, you're hundred percent right. Not only is it not the first TCG, right. But I mean, there are Disney cards through the decades, right. I mean, you talk about like Marvel has the Impel cards. That's kind of Disney too, but there was a Disney set. I think 1991 has this like Impel, you know, with, with holograms of Mickey mouse and all kinds of stuff. Right. I think there's even like fifties and sixties. Yep. Oh, definitely. As well. Um, so there's been, it's, it's not new. It's just that, and, and I don't want to say that any one person of status is going to pump something up. Um, I do, as I am a believer in Locana, okay? Mm -hmm. I do think it's going to be a really cool game, but don't make it more than what it should be. It should be something that I can walk, go to Disney World with my kids, and we can walk into one of the stores, and Locana is sitting on the shelf, and we can rip a pack of cards while we're at Magic Kingdom. Yep. Let it be that. Let's so, I mean, this giant thing. And look, maybe they could work the Lorcana into the parks. You know, they're always doing like an interactive thing. I think they had a game, like a card game, Wizards of, or Sorcerers. They had something in the parks where like, you know, you got a card and you like showed it. And uh, I mean, they, they, they've done it before. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting to talk about. I had to start off with that because look, this is in your wheelhouse. And I mean, I think the point you make that's correct is don't force it, right? Like don't try to make fetch happen, we say, you know, like... <laughs> Let's not take it away from the kids. And I know it sounds so ridiculous and cliche, but <laughs> let's not take it away from the kids and make it this giant behemoth. It Kakawa was really cool when it first came out. All right. I was paying $140 a box because it was different. They weren't, they were four corner cards. They weren't a true TCG format. And I ripped them. I ripped them with my kids. My kids have them. They're fun. It was $140 a box. That was cool. I was all right with that. Yep. $100 a box? Come on. Now they're down to I think like four hundred dollars a box. Yeah. So yeah, are, are we back down to? Yeah, are we gonna do that with Lorcana? Or is Lorcana gonna come out and we're gonna make it become a three hundred dollar booster box when pre-orders were eighty and seventy-five dollars, and then people realize that maybe the value isn't there because you're you're flipper to flipper, and you know now you're taking away from you know the kids that should be enjoying it. I don't know. Disney is Disney. I think Disney is such a a, a kid thing and it should be fun for for the family. But the lesson to be learned there before we move into the next topic is 
you know, don't forget what happens, right? I mean, there's that 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 crazy saying, right? You know, those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. Ooh, very serious. But look, you just saw it with Kaka Wow, right? I can't believe that's the name of a product, Kaka Wow. It's just so weird sounding. But anyway, the the price was it turned into Kaka Poo Poo pretty quick. <laughs> so I mean, it started at a price. It flew for. I mean, let's call it inorganic reasons. I mean, maybe people were seeing the cards, you know, but it flew a lot and now it's coming back down. Chances are the same thing will probably happen with Lorcana. My word of advice, anyone getting into any ripping, right? I've seen it happen over my years doing this sports TCG. It does not matter. If you're ripping a box at $800 and there's only two or three cards that are of the same value of the box that you can hit and your odds to hit that card are extremely difficult. Do not rip that product because <laughs> you're not going to be able to get yourself back. That means that that product was meant to be cheaper. Correct. Correct. A hundred percent right. hundred percent right. And that's why the Kaka Wow at 140 or Lacana at 70 or 80 is, you know, it's, that's why those are the prices that they're set at and trying to buy it at 600. It's going to be difficult, right? Yeah. Especially if you're buying it. Because you're, oh, I'm going to pull this card, and you know it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, I'm going to PSA ten it, and you know, it becomes harder to make money when the prices are where they are. You have to hit the card that you're looking for, which is mm -hmm. difficult, and then you got to get the grade you're looking for, which is also difficult. You got to add in the grading fee to that card as well, shipping back and forth, eBay fees, it all adds up. So listen, this was going to be my third topic, but with the way you just ended that with, you know, it's got to be the right card. It's got to be the right grading. It's got to be the right grade and how you do it. My third topic is going to become my second. It's the hustle, the grind. People who are 10 minutes into this episode now um, who think it's just going to be TCG. Yeah, this this guy knows TCG. But one of the things that is the most impressive about Bro Namath is the flip game. The first to market that we learned about with him, the the just the massive amount of of black label Beckett cards that you've amassed over the years, and I guess what I'd love is I'll shut up for a minute, but I'll set it up with this. I want to know if you're still doing that, to what extent you're doing it, and how it's changed. Because I've talked to you, you know, dozens of times and several times on the show. I think you might be, you know, the the the, the number one guest by volume here. Woohoo! We're gonna have to count it up, but definitely number one guest on Hobby with Cage because it's one nothing. I mean, you're the oh, only yeah. one, right? <laughs> so, but undefeated. I mean, one of the one of the great things I learn every time I talk to you, you you have you know guided on. I'm first to market. I buy something. I open it up. I grade it. And sometimes you paid more for grading, right? Like you paid for Express because you want to be the first one to have it. Are you still doing that? And, and if you are, is it the same type of cards? Is it the same type of rush grading? Like, what are you doing now? And kind of like, how has it changed? I know you're not still doing the same stuff, right? I am. Yeah. So, there you go. so for me, um, I have tier one and tier two grading on a new product. So I look at products coming out of their TCGs and what has good collector base, good fan base, a good playing base. Uh, for me, it's important that a TCG has good playing base, right? It needs to have playability. There needs to not only be collectors, not only needs to be uh, investors, but it also needs to be people that want to play the game. They want to rip the product to play the game. And the reason why I say this is because the more product rip, the scarcity increases because now products being ripped to play the game. And right. most of the cards that are of certain power levels that you want to build a deck with are the desired cards by the collectors. So you take those off of the market as well. You have uh, one piece that just came out. 
uh, One Piece One, so OP One, I'm going to refer to it as OP One, came out a few months before Christmas last year. Mm -hmm. uh, bought five cases at $800, $900 a case. Then those cases became $1,500, $1,600, dollars by the time I got the cases in. And I said to myself, okay, wh what am I going to do? Am I going to sit here and sell the cases or am I going to rip them? And of course I ripped them, right? That's my <laughs> thing. <laughs> so, so I sat here with a buddy Shock. of mine. No one. <laughs> Absolutely nobody. If I'm going to die on that hill, I'll die on my hill alone. So I had Friar Sports over a buddy of mine, and him and I went 50-50 on the investment. Uh, we spent just north of $4,000 in the cases. Um, we spent another $4,000 on grading fees. I know it sounds a lot, right? But trust me and follow me. I'm getting there. Yeah. Uh, so $4,000 in grading fees. Sent out a few expresses. I like to do multiple subs. Um, I'll ship them out on different days just – to kind of, you know, hedge your bet, have some grades, whatever. Um, so send them all out. Black labels are always going to be the main driver in TCG when it comes to market value. That card is going to do the best. Um, and I am okay with listening on eBay and doing auctions. So my formula is, is that on those express cards that I sent, those cards are usually about $50 raw value. Yes, I'm paying $100, $130 to grade them. However, if we're talking about a black label, you turn that card now into a $500 or $1,000 card. BGS 10, you're looking at $200 or $350. So I send out a few batches. We get those back, start selling those. Then I have uh, with uh, PC Sports Cards up in your neck of the woods, uh, plug shout out to him. I use him for my slow roll tier two grading. So I send my stuff to him from BGS sub, uh, I think like $28, $24 a card. And those will come back. And then when those come back, usually that's all profit, right? Because what we did was we turned a, a $10,000 investment with all in into about $34,000 and sold everything. Uh, listed on eBay, let the auctions run. Yes, it's a gamble, right? Because you could send them out and the cards don't do well grading-wise and that's where you could lose. Fortunately enough, we did really well in the grading and hit some really good cards. The cards are made really well. The cards stock. Everything about the card is very clean. You don't need to touch it. You don't need to buy these cool kits out there to make your cards look better. Um, they're packed beautiful, okay? And you just send them off and then see what happens. So what's funny about that is I asked, you know, has it changed? If you go back and listen to any of the Bro Namath episodes, that's exactly what he was doing when the market was in what we're going to call its boom cycle, right? We've gone through this bubble. Everybody talked about, you know, the 2020, 2021 and the run up. And, you know, here I was half expecting and asking this question. No, no, I'm, I've changed it. You know, I used to spend just as much on grading fees as I did on the cards themselves. And now I can't do that. I got to be more judicious with it because, you know, the prices and here you are, this is something that literally just happened. Like we're talking months ago, in a time where, you know, people are not paying as much for cards and where, you know, we're seeing the price, but you have a new product that you were right about. I mean, you talked about one piece before it even came out and, um, you know, it hit all your, it checked all your boxes, right? It's, you know, it's been around for a long time. It has a, a huge fan base. The playability is, 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 does really have playability. People are loving play. All right, yeah. that's cool. The playability on one piece is massive. If you go to your LCS, I think you go to, um, Royal, whatever it is. I, I have like nine different stores within five yeah. miles. There is a comic place that is like one of those, like, you know, the, the comic places that have like, they do tournaments and stuff where yeah. like, you know, it's a bunch of 14 year olds. They smell like roast beef. I was in New York. Um, <laughs> it's world sports or something. The blue one I don't know. I don't know. Like, right next door. Anyways. Yeah. So 
<laughs> he, he's hosting a bunch of tournaments up in your way. There, one piece is it's I'm a Dragon Ball guy. I, right. I've spoken about Dragon Ball all these years. Uh, one piece is definitely taking some market share from players to mm -hmm. go to one piece because one piece is uh, just booming, man. The secondary market for one piece. It's is funny now. because I skipped to three, right? To skip over question two. Question two was, and I don't, it's funny how, how this flows. What's, what is one piece doing to TCG? What is it doing to like the Dragon Ball Z or magic, the gathering even, or older Pokemon? Is it taking market share? Are there newer ones that are impacting it? Is, is, you know, are the fan base is the fan base growing enough that it can sustain all that stuff? But before before we do that, I'll I'll mm -hmm. I'll, I'll let you chime in on that because I want to finish this right. What would be some advice you would give to somebody now? They can't go back in time and buy the One Piece cards, One Piece One, the first release um, at the price that you paid for it. Although, guys, the if you're listening here, he has a conviction in what he wants to buy. The One Piece he bought at a price in pre-order. By the time it came out and people started opening it, boom, it's three times as much money. Did the same thing with Kaka Wow. Has already pre-ordered Lorcana, which I don't know if you could still pre-order, you know, as cheap as you did. But it sounds like part of the money is already being made on the entry. And I know it sucks. People want to have their money liquid. They want to be in and out of cards. And part of what I see with the new, you know, genre of collector, flipper, investor is – they buy when release date, they buy from a breaker, they buy whatever it is. You're locking your money up a little ahead of time in a pre-order. But I think because of that, you're basically already in profit even before you open. Like you could, you could buy a pre, God. That's why I rip it yeah. because you're in it so cheap. Um, so everyone that wants to get or listening to this, that wants to get into TCG. There's a site called TCG player. All right, TCG Player is a site that you can go and see new product releases. You'll see One Piece. You click on the One Piece tab. You can click on OP1, which I think was Romance Dawn, and you can see Romance the singles. Dawn. You look at the singles on OP1. There's so much value in raw singles that it makes complete sense to rip. A chase card is nine hundred dollars. The second most expensive is like two fifty. You got another one for two twenty. Another one for two hundred. One hundred and fifty. And then we're talking about blister packs and you can get a Walmart for $4.99 and have the potential to hit those cards. It's not like Panini where all the value is in the hobby boxes, right? TCG, all their value is on any of their products. So you right. can walk into Walmart, walk into Target, rip a, a you know, Scarlet Violet uh, Pokemon pack and hit the chase card from Walmart for $4.99 versus having to only buy an exclusive hobby box. And that's what makes TCG fun. It's accessible to everybody, and the chase cards are there. And mm -hmm. while while most Pokemon, or even the Romance Dawn, you're not hitting a twenty thousand dollar card out of a box, no, no, which you have the ability to in a hobby box. But correct, there's enough two, three, four, five hundred dollar chase cards, hundred fifty dollar chase cards, especially if graded well, that it it's it, it's worth ripping, right? See, and and that's always been my thing over the years talking with you is that. I sell quickly because I like making my profits mm -hmm. and then keeping some of my stuff for my PC that I keep to the side. I like doing that in hopes that that person may have gotten a great deal off of me. Yep. And now that card may be a pop one black label forever. Mm -hmm. And I sold it for a thousand dollars. Now that card's six grand. That's okay. I don't look back and I'm upset at that. I want that to happen. I've always preached that. It's always been my mantra. So for me, I don't care. I, I want to have 
what will be realized profits and I'll always be somewhat in the green. And by ripping product like this, that you have less of a chance of getting skunked, not even less of a chance. So it's like really almost zero chance when you're ripping a booster box that you're going to get completely skunked that you have right. nothing great. You're getting some shiny stuff. I, I can rip a prison box right now, a new basketball, and get skunked in the entire box and not even have a card that I would want to grade, whether that's yep. because of quality or because you just didn't hit anybody. Yep. Happens often. often. So, I mean, there is that. By the way, Bro Namath is selling himself short. He has many, many times preached to leave some meat on the bone. I think it actually is part of the TCG you know, kind of community. I mean, there's plenty of it in the hobby itself. But, you know, part of it is that game playing ability part of it is you know you guys want to have more people in you know in the the collector base because you know i'm gonna hold this for five years 10 years 15 years and if i get a kid involved you know they're buying that pack at walmart or that you know they got this car they're, they're staying they're making money you name it and why say he's selling himself short this is the guy that saved christmas because of course you know he tells me to buy romance dawn you know months in advance but you know how kids are you know two days before christmas Santa gets told he wants a box of One Piece. And, you know, Amazon's not going to get it there in time. But somehow, Uncle Bro Namath was able to overnight, uh, you know, a promo pack and some BGS 10 already graded stocking stuffers. So thank you for that. Whoa. So I will tell you just from experience, not only does he say it on the show, the dude actually practices it in real life. So it's, uh, it's <laughs> thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, how about the older stuff? You know, are we seeing, I mean, you know, Black Lotus sales are crazy. I see those things selling. But, I mean, Magic, Dragon Ball Z, still, you know, popular, still selling. You know, do people still care about it? Talk oh, to of me. course, yeah. I mean, me right now, I'm focusing on trying because I've collected everything I wanted to collect in Dragon Ball. I've probably already hit that pinnacle to now where it's every year that goes by, what's the next national champion gold card? What's the next world gold card? That's my focus. Mm -hmm. Now shifted to want to do more Pokemon worlds, more Pokemon trophy cards, and they're not easy to get right now. <laughs> there seems to be. Uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine in California who's always been. This has always been his thing. He's always been Pokemon worlds and tropical collector, right? It's always, you know the okay. tropical, you know, yep. cool little cartoon little things. Um, I remember grading them for him. He used to send me stuff to grade with PSA when I grade with PSA. And we did the TCG special back then. It was like $9. And you got the cards back in a month. It was it was awesome. I remember getting all these cards or PSA 10 and all my Dragon Ball cards, you know, PSA 10. And I'm showing him videos and doing it live with him. Um, those cards that we thought were so cheap back then are now just unbelievably expensive. There's a, there's a card out there. It's a 2016 Pokemon Japanese Worlds promo, right? Look at that art real quick if you're able to. It's 2016 Pokemon Worlds promo. It has the starter Pokemon on the card. Okay. It's Pikachu. It's um, Bulbasaur, Charles, uh, no, Charmander, and then um, Squirtle on the card. It's a really cool artwork card. PSA 10 in that went from I think like a thousand dollars, and now you can't find them for less than ten grand. Whoa. And that's that's in this economy now. So there's a lot of investors in Asia who are buying these cards up. Um, I heard as of recent, I think Logan Paul just bought an illustrator uh, recently. Yeah. Yep. So there's there, there's definitely a shift where people are wanting to buy some of these coveted Pokemon cards again. You know, you ask about Magic. Magic has done a great job with introducing IPs into mm -hmm. their, their sets. They had Transformers recently. Um, they're about to do Lord of the Rings. There's going to be a chase card that's going to be a one-on-one card in the most recent, uh, not recent, I think it's coming out in fall or late summer, that's going to be a one-of-one 
Lord of the Rings card in Magic, and everyone's going, yeah, that card. It's a cool card, right? Yeah, so you, it's, kind of, it's the starters. Yep. But you want that card in the Japanese. Oh, um, not the Spanish one that I found. There's Spanish, there's German, there's <laughs> French, there's English. The English has always been good, right? But yeah. for the trophy cards, you want them in the Japanese is what I've learned from talking to collectors the past couple of weeks and trying to educate myself on the space of what I'm buying and being selective and trying to find and track down. But, you know, you got that, that magic card coming out. It's going to be a one-of-one one stamp, mm-hmm. um, Lord of the Rings card, and I believe that there's already bounties for like $350,000 on that card. So back to your point earlier, you may rip a booster box and, and, you know, not have a huge hit like Panini, but they're starting to do these things in TCG where they're going to go and do a serial numbered card here and there. And certain products are doing it. And if you're talking about Pokemon, if Pokemon does that and does a one-on-one Pikachu or a one-on-one Charizard, do you believe what's going to happen? Yeah. yeah, that'd be nuts. I'm surprised they haven't done it yet. I know, but it's, a, you know, magic here. They are doing this. Dragon Ball's done it recently with their national championship cards. You have a, out of 500 print serial number. Everyone's individual. Um, My Hero Academia has done it more recently. There's five cards. Each one's out of 100 chromatic cards. So they're doing it. And as that wheel spins, you're going to have more of the product that wants to be ripped in chasing these cards. And it's funny. TCG is in, in a great space, I think, right now. So I'll, I'll jump to the next topic. But one question where if there are TCG people, I've heard out of favor. So like one, one up, one down, one cold, one hot. In the Pokemon world, Wizard of the Coast stuff is down or cold, and EXs are what everybody's chasing now. Is that right? I would say yes, but I would also throw in their Wizard of the Coast uh, trophy cards are up. Okay. All right. Well, so there you go. All right. So Spider-Man is all over, you know, Disney Plus, and I hear it's popular in your house, you know. <laughs> so real quick, who's the best Spider-Man? Tobey Maguire, Garfield, or Tom Holland? Oof. You know, I'm going, I'm going outlier here. No one's ever agreed with me on this, <laughs> but it's Garfield. I think, I think my, my kids might agree with you, right? I, dude, I wish they would have continued that with him being um, the Spider-Man. I love the most recent one because he was back in it, and he yep. shone out in that movie. Yeah, he, it was good. I mean, although I, I'm pretty sure Tobey Maguire was the only one who was able to actually, you know, shoot the web straight from his wrist. The other guys yeah, had to like make. There's only so many questions about that, right? Yeah, there's a lot of questions. What, well, so what else can he shoot out of other places? Yeah, don't ask. We don't really want to know. It's a kid-friendly yeah. show. And speaking of, so we got the comics. You still doing comics? Anything? Anything catching your eye now? You know, still- I haven't really messed with the comics much, just because a lot of stuff has softened and come down. Um, I'm. I still have my Miles Morales stash. I've sold some stuff. When I said to buy him on a podcast we had a long time ago, his stuff definitely went up exponentially from there. I still think Miles is a great buy. His new movie's coming out. You know, if, if we would have thrown in animated characters, I, I my favorite Spider-Man movie is the animated one with Miles Morales. I think that is is a great movie. Yeah, but no, I mean, comics, comics have softened just like sports cars. They've come down as well. We're even talking about high-end stuff, you know, Amazing Fantasy 1, Main Spider-Man 1. All those have all come down. Superman 1 continues to do well because that's like the Mickey Mantle, you know, action comics. Like those type of books, Detective uh, with Batman, like those books will continue to do well. If they have a drop, it would be very marginal. It would be very small because uh, you compare that to your Mickey Mantle 52. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, listen, we I try to keep these two a half an hour here. I mean, you know, I obviously have a track record of these shows. 
uh, now that I'm on my first week doing them. So I'll keep them to a half hour. But the last question I have, I mean, I think I know where you're going to go with it, but I always leave you know, my conversation with you learning something, which I did here, um, cause I'm going to go out and pre-order whatever you tell me to pre-order next. Cause we're going to get there in this question. Um, and I leave with some optimism. So two parter, number one, if people are listening to this, what should they pre-order next? And two, the second part is just your overall outlook, because, you know, you've been doing this for a while. You were doing this before the most recent run up bubble, you name it. You've now, you know, You've now kind of stayed the course. You know, you've tried other things out. We got some comics, we got some exposure, you name it. You've wrote it up and you've kind of seen some of the, you know, the softer market as well. What's your outlook for, you know, the hobby overall, TCG, you know, the, you know, the, the game cards, the sports cards, all of the market uh, for the next year, two years, that kind of stuff. Are you still like gung ho or, you know, what's your thoughts? I, I personally am. And I, and I really am because TCG has a bigger collector base, I, I think. Um, I, we've also seen a lot more collectors come out from the shadows recently with sports cards to buy pieces they want to buy for their collections as people who were never truly in it because they never really liked it because you had a bunch of people buying one card together and they're all wanting their money back because they're now they're going to wall street and they lost money here and they're doing this. So they're getting rid of stuff, um, flash sales on eBay. So it gives opportunities for true collectors to buy those pieces that they want. So I think that we're coming and evolving to more of a collector buying market, which is healthy, which is very healthy. So as things get healthier, you can take some of those gambles again on very rare low pop stuff. I think with sports cards, they've just mass produced again. And then what happened is because we've mass produced again, we have mass grading. Right. So we have that bubble era of grading of, of prism, you know, bases, which everyone's talked about in silvers with TCG. They do, you know, a very limited run because there's going to be a next set that comes out, you know, and then there's maybe more people are ripping that to build decks. So my my outlook is I know I'll give you a whole summary, but my outlook is I truly think that the TCG space is extremely healthy. Um, I think that during times of recession, People need outlets. You know, what do they say when recessions happen? Uh, sex, drugs, alcohol goes through the roof, right? And, and if you're not anyone to like any of those three, which not everyone does, you can have an outlet playing TCG games and going to your local card shop on a Friday or a Saturday after you worked a long week or maybe you've lost your job and you're only friends that you really have, you want to communicate with because a little bit more antisocial are going to these car shops and playing these games. And, I have a and friend in France. He says when recessions happens, it's sex, drugs, alcohol, and drac a few. That's Charizard in French. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. But you know, it, it's, it's true. Though. I only know that because someone tried to sell me one once and I'm like, oh, a discount? This is Charizard. No, no, no. Man. You don't want the French one. Yeah, you definitely don't want anything like German or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> no, man. I mean, listen, I think you're 100% right. I mean, you're you're – you know, the outlook is is there, um, you know, it's favorable. And you're right. We see with the sports cards also. The collectors come in. We, we, we use silly words like a floor, right? But I love what you said about um, you can come in and try to take a gamble on those low pop cards, right? Because if collectors are now buying, if the prices have come down enough where a collector is now willing to come in and buy it, well, then that it, it's a card that's more likely going to get locked away. It's not someone buying it for you know a thousand dollars with the hope to go to Dallas in three weeks and sell it for twelve hundred. It's someone who's buying it for a thousand dollars and you're not going to see it again. 
And when those happen and you stop seeing them, that's when the price often goes back up. I think you're 100 percent right. And, and that's and that's exactly what happened to the state of the hobby uh, in sports cards. Is that someone went to a local show to buy a card to take it to Dallas to sell it at Dallas, and then from Dallas it went to go to you know a show up north to sell it there, and they kept multiplying it up because that's what the hobby was doing. That's what the sports card market was doing. But if that's not happening now, what are they doing? Yep. And a lot of people yep. are getting out completely. They sold collections. Well, we saw that last year. Was it probably? I don't know, uh, late like Q, Q3, Q2 last year, people were just dumping stuff. And everyone was, oh, my God, the hobby's, you know, the sky is falling. And now we've seen a little bit of stabilization in some of these cards. I was going to let you go with kind of like a, hey, what should people be pre-ordering now? Well, I'll get to that. But you, you mentioned something, and I can't just not pull the thread. You said mass grading. And you, you specifically talked about it with like Prism Base, Prism Silver, that kind of stuff. But I don't think TCG was immune to it. What do you think about, you know, like Charizard, Pikachu, you name it, that have been graded from the most recent series, you know, where where um, there are thousands and thousands of each one of these things. Like, are those just fun ones to have? Do those become like, okay, it's a gift to give a kid and you have it? Those are, you know, are we talking about junk slabs also for TCG? Yeah, of course. There's always going to be junk slabs, right? Because, you know, you look at uh... – even, you know, unlimited Charizards and how many PSA 2s, 3s, 4s, 5s are out there that get sold, right? There's a ton. Um, condition is always going to be there. That's why I specifically like to go at low-pop cards in black label to even further distance um, from others. But I, I think that uh, Pokemon produces in a much higher quantity mm-hmm. than any other TCG. So I do think that Pokemon is a little bit more of a risk um there's some reason that, flying pikachu and surfing pikachu are yeah, coming into my brain as cards that i don't think will ever really go up because i think the supply is always going to outpace the demand you know very, very true it, it, what's funny is as of late cage the japanese pokemon um they're like secret rares are very hard to hit where the odds to hit them in english are far easier and uh the ones in japanese actually outsell the ones in english there we go so there so last one I've kept you longer than I wanted, and I appreciate you I'm being sorry. generous with your time. It's no, I mean, I love talking with you because I learn. Um, is there anything out there that you would be looking to pre order now without blowing up your stuff? Some of you already got because I don't want to take the money out of your pocket. I'm sorry, you've always been good about that anyway. So, but what you know, any TCG, anything on the horizon that you're like excited about, or um, I, I think there's I've talked about it all the time Demon Slayer, this new anime, it's fantastic, it's brilliant, it's beautiful. The I have a shirt, do you? Yeah. Oh, you've watched Demon Slayer? No, my, my daughter, I bought it for my daughter like two years ago when she was into anime stuff, My Hero Academia and stuff, and I bought the yeah. wrong size. So I bought it. It was actually my size. It was way too big for her. So I walk around with a Demon Slayer shirt every now and again. Um, I don't know what that one is. Amazing anime. It's, it's one of the animes you watch the first episode and you fall in love with it. Anyways, right. Yuki Arena is coming out. It's um, it's the name of the TCG. It's, it's made by Bandai, which is the company that owns the IPs to all of these uh, animes. Uh, they're having multiple IPs in their own case booster boxes that you can build a deck and you can build a deck of uh, My Hero Academia and play against a deck from uh, Demon Slayer. And you can play that deck against Jujutsu Kaisen. So you're bringing a bunch of collectors in and a, and a bunch of uh, people that can have great playability across IP. So Demon Slayer comes out this month, I think on the 28th of April. Uh, Union Arena Demon Slayer will be something that will uh, do really well. I mean, 
listen, I shy away from this stuff because, like, I'll say their names wrong, right? So, like, uh, Tanjiro Kamoda, whatever. Right. I, I say it all wrong, you know? Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, right? So, I could say Julio Rodriguez. There we go. I'm buying it. it some of these guys, I, I, say, I don't know. I'm, I'm an idiot. But the Demon Slayer. That was the one that had like the it's like a I don't know harmonica looking thing and the you know like the, the I don't know it's weird. Oh, she she's she's biting down on a bark, yeah, because she's turning. It's really really good, man. Biting it's, down on bark because she's a zombie. And right. the, now Tan- I gotta watch it. Now you guys gotta watch it. Demon Slayer. We're gonna all make money on Demon Slayer. It's Tanjiro's sister, and the whole storyline is that his family gets slaughtered. His sister turned to a zombie, but still has some sense of humanity to her. And he's trying to travel around Japan to find a cure to cure her and get some sense of family back. It's a really good show. All right. I like zombie stuff. I, I was the only idiot in the world that watched every episode of The Walking Dead, the show that never ended. Listen, I'm giving you some homework. <laughs> watch the first episode of Demon Slayer and watch it in Japanese. Read it in subtitles. Oh, of course. I'll watch this one. Shoot me a DM. Text. Let me know how you like it. And there, those cards are pre-order now. Those are going to be coming out soon. Yes, and this is Demon Slayer's first real TCG. There was a TCG build and divide, but Bandai's backing this and, and has the rights to push this one. So this one here will be their first one. And there's a ton of characters that people want. All right, you heard it here first, guys. It's uh, it's a Bandai-backed Demon Slayer. You know, she's biting on bark. She's turning into a zombie. I mean, I'm going to watch it. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to make a joke. Make one a, one episode is all I ask. That's all I ask. Guys, we appreciate you. Thanks for stopping by. I always learn something from this handsome gentleman here. And I hope you guys did too. Thanks, bro, Raymond. Thanks, guys.